0: Buonasera and benvenuti. Welcome back to Kimberly's Italy, which, as you know by now, is a podcast of all things Italian and our love of the Italian people, the cuisine, the culture, the history, the art, and the vino. And of course, this one, we're going to talk about a little coastline, which is what we love also. Well, you're jumping ahead. Sorry. <laughs> coastline of Tuscany. Anyway, first, I would like to say, speaking of the Italian people, I want to say that the tour season is at its height right now. And just like last year, the amount of tourists is staggering all over the country, but mostly in the greatest hits cities like Venezia, Firenze, Roma, and a lot of tourists are getting frustrated when things don't go their way, or with the amount of crowds or the very long lines to enter places like the Colosseum, the Pantheon, to see the Davide at the Academia, and if they didn't make reservations for dinner, that's when the real crabby tourist kicks in.
1: Yes. I can personally attest to that.
0: Right, <laughs> The hangry traveler yes. is the worst. Yes. And I'm mentioning this only because I want tourists to remember that Italy has been inundated with revenge travel, as someone coined the name, starting in 2022, early in 2022. Right. That was last year. Right. And So all the generous and kind Italians who work in the hotels, the restaurants, the museums, and every other aspect of the entire travel industry, they are trying, just absolutely trying their best to cater to the crowds and the demand. So please be patient and kind in return and just be aware of how hard the Italians are trying to keep up. I mean, you could think of, a reason why one would want to take the
1: winter off after having a tour season. No like kidding, this. right? But now they're praying. <laughs> Hurry up, <laughs> please. Get here in November.
0: And I'm saying this from the friends I have in Italy that work in the travel industry or just the friends I have that live there. And they're just like, Oh Dio mio, year two non stop from pre Easter now all the way till November. So please be patient and
1: and I just want to say that patience right now is like the biggest virtue you can have being there, because not only will you have a better time by being patient, yes. but understanding prior to going that there's going to be issues, there's going to be crowds. The New York Times today came out with an article on people are ticked off because the Pantheon is now charging. Right. Uh, you know, you pay, And the lines are long. And and they the, were always long. They were always long, right. Okay. But it was free.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: right. I'll never go back. I'm only kidding. <laughs> no, I'll go back and gladly pay. But right. but the but the fact is patience right now is the virtue you can really really enhance your trip with. Not only will you're going to be less hangry and less everything else, <laughs> you're just going to be a little bit more pleasant because you know this is going to happen. And you wrap your head around it initially before you get off that plane and go, okay. It's going to be crowded, but this is
0: the time frame I can go. So let's just be open-minded.
1: Better for them, better for you, exactly. better for everybody. A
0: win-win situation. Yes. <laughs> all right. But for all of my clients who are in Italy right now, I made dinner reservations for them every single night, but obviously I sent them my favorite restaurants to choose from first I booked tours months in advance with private guides. I arranged for drivers, boats, Vespa rides. Every little thing was planned way in advance, knowing they were going during the height of the season. And it's clearly worked because every single day I get these awesome texts with pictures, big, smiling, happy faces, compliments on the excellent Unbelievable, amazing tour guides, selfies from the Vespa rides, and of course, pictures of every single meal, which I show Tommaso every time they come in. Yes, <laughs> he's so jealous. Look at that pasta a la Genovese. You know. Oh, anyway,
1: I think that's really where your value comes in, and I can say it because I have experienced this on a first-hand basis so many times. <laughs> But the fact is it is a it, it is it, Italy is a personable country. Yes. And the personal yes. personal relationships matter. Mm-hmm. And if you're booking and you're just hoping to show up somewhere and it's all going to be wonderful you listen to someone on Facebook, we had a funny comment from Facebook, but the fact is a lot of people are I can see them on Facebook asking for advice from other people. You don't necessarily know that person's perspective.
0: Right. Everyone's different. And everyone's- the thing is, when these people engage me to plan their trip, we have a conversation, a old-fashioned phone conversation. I get to know everything.
1: You actually talk to people?
0: Yes, I do. I love to. I'm very old school. I love the <laughs> phone. Prefer it over incessant texting. But anyway, we have a phone conversation. I get to know what they like, what, they, what type of accommodations they would prefer, blah, blah, blah. It just sets the tone. And I think this is why my travel planning is so beneficial to them. They don't have to search, they don't have to do the work. Nor do they have the friends, the Italian friends and contacts that I do. Well, I also to want to make their trip perfect.
1: I also want to I know you just received an inquiry this evening. I saw it when it came in and uh, we you, I don't know if you've responded or not, but not the, yet. but the person said it's overwhelming.
0: Oh, how much there is to choose from. How much to choose from.
1: It's overwhelming.
0: So anyway, that is, um, that's my...
1: We'll end it there. All
0: right, let's carry on. Allora, on to the region of Tuscany, which is pronounced Toscana in Italian, and we'll stick with that for this entire episode, because you guys are going to learn some Italian by the end of episode 500, okay? (laughs) If
1: I haven't learned any, how will they learn any?
0: (laughs) Good point. (laughs) (laughs) Tommaso and I realized that we have had several episodes on the various cities or areas of Toscana, but had never produced an episode on the region itself. So, here it is, finalmente, Toscana, out of Italy's 20 regions, is the ninth largest in terms of population, and the fifth largest by land mass, and yet... Toscana is the most popular region in the country. And that's due to the fact that it has an abundance of everything. Breathtaking countryside, extraordinary wines and cuisine, and perhaps the largest repository of art in the world. That's a major statement, but I'm... Really? I'm, I'm kind of thinking it's pretty true, right? You would think Paris might hold the y- candle, yeah, yeah. but... Tuscany, Toscana has Florence and everything else. And so anyway, I'm going with that. We have the Jamestown Arts Center. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Just kidding. <laughs> anyway, they also have the rolling hills that attract cyclists, bicyclists from around the globe, mountain hiking and a coastline and islands washed by the Tyrrhenian Sea.
1: Yes. I mean, most people do not associate Tuscany with islands and coastlines. But the length of the coastline, it, it surprised me. It, right? I mean, I, I didn't realize it was quite that long. 500 kilometers, which is about 310 miles. And it starts in Carrara, right where we went
0: to the marble factories. The marble, in yes, Carrara. exactly. Marble quarries. The I quarries should
1: say. in Carrara. And I looked up at the, the I remember driving that road and looking up at the rate going, there's snow up there. And you went, no, you idiot. It's I didn't m-. call you an idiot. No. You said, no. No, you goober. Goober. <laughs> That's marble. I went. Oh, anyway, <laughs> but you know, it, it's it starts right there and it goes all the way down from Carrara to Porto Ercole, and the Tuscan Archipelago is a chain of islands between Ligurian Sea and the Tyrrhenian Sea. It's the western side, the western end of Tuscany on the ocean, and one normally doesn't think that it, it has a coastline, but it obviously. I think
0: does. the average. Tourist doesn't think about the coastline. The Italians are obsessed with it. well, because
1: all you're seeing is those beautiful Tuscan shots with the cypress trees exactly. and this roll up the driveway. Exactly. But legend says that the archipelago originates from a necklace that Venus, right, the Roman goddess of beauty and sensuality, lost while emerging from the Tyrrhenian Sea. And in I this love that story, in this myth, the seven islands are the seven pearls that the goddess wasn't unable to retrieve. So, I have friends, going back to a couple of sailing stories here, I can't relate here on this because I've never sailed in Tuscany. Hello, anyone out there?
0: (laughs) I'm available. I'm
1: available. need a navigator who can drive an iPad and expedition. But anyway, um, basically, it is a beautiful place to race in. I looked yesterday when you said we're going to talk about Tuscany in this episode I looked at the racing schedule on the island of Elba, which is one of the I- islands here. And on the coast, not on an island, but there's a place called Scarlino, which they race these high-performance boats, TP-52s, which I've raced on, not in Tuscany, hello. Um, San Francisco. In San Francisco and, and here in Newport. and But, you know, I have friends I've talked to who are sailing there, and they just think it's wonderful. I mean, what's not to like? Exactly. You go and you have great wine. You have great dinners after a beautiful, day, after on a the beautiful water. day in the water, right? I mean, I've never had a bad day in the med racing, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the top of Tuscany, the top of this archipelago is Livorno on the coast, mm-hmm. and that's a big shipping port. And there's a ferry that actually goes, we may have mentioned this in a previous episode, we did? from Livorno to Olbia, and I can't Sardinia, Sardinia, and it is an eight hour trip. And I want to take their trip someday because. It goes right down the coast of Corsica, and then it, across the Straits of Bonifacio, and through the—right, you know, you don't really go through the archipelago. That's one of the real beautiful well, places the smaller, on the
0: coast. the smaller ferries leave the mainland and go to all of these islands, minus the one called Isla Monte Cristo.
1: Right, right. But I'm talking about the big ferry from Livorno, right. which is the Grimaldi Lines. And— That's funny. And we have— a close association with the Grimaldi lines.
0: <laughs> they wake us up about three times a week at three in the morning. That's
1: right. Because we, the ferries come by and we hear them and I all of a sudden open my app up and I say, oh, it's Grimaldi or it's so-and-so from, 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 from Germany. And all of a sudden you see the lights go by and you're like, no, oh, thanks.
0: The difference is the Grimaldi lines here are transporting cars or whatever they're doing. Right. Right off our island. Right. But in Italy, they are... Uh, delivering people Well all point of, No, they
1: have a big cargo business in Italy exactly. also.
0: But this particular ferry.
1: Oddly enough, most of the Grimaldi line fer- uh, cargo ships that come through here originate in Mexico.
0: That We're on a big tangent right now.
1: Okay, La Capo, get us back on track then.
0: Wait, I bet you what someone would care about are the names of these islands. These islands in the archipelago off the Tuscan coast are called Scalo di Gorgona, Isola Capraia, Isola di Elba, which is the largest that Tommaso just mentioned, Pianosa, Giglio, and then Cala Spalmatoyo. And that last one I mentioned, Monte Cristo, that is the only one that does not have a small ferry to it because it's just a, like a little volcanic mountain. And I do think it's a very popular and remote Beautiful spot for private boats to anchor. Let me give you a little bit of population About density these islands? here. Yes, okay.
1: Elba, as of two thousand sixteen, when you when I started to sort of research this, has thirty two thousand people that live on it.
0: That's a lot. Yeah,
1: Monte Cristo.
0: Monte Cristo.
1: Monte Cristo. Bravo. It's two,
0: two people. See, si. because there is only these old fortress ruins right. and maybe like a monastery. That's it. Two people. Oh, let's
1: go. To raise the Italian flag and lower it every day.
0: Oh, that's so cute. All right, but let me just add, Tommaso, that all of these islands are mainly a bit mountainous. So the only inhabited area, the villages, are by the ferry port. And the rest is just raw beauty. And Elba, as you mentioned, is the largest. And it has the most options for accommodations. But keep in mind, since they're mountainous, There are very few sandy beaches. But, as you'll recall, all of you, from previous episodes, we have mentioned over and over how Italians love to swim off the rocks. They hang out on rocks. They sunbathe on rocks. They have lunch on rocks. Literally, summertime in Italy is all about the rocks. All right? So, hopefully, we'll see them soon. I have not been in a few years. So,
1: hopefully, we'll drive part of the tuscan coast when we go in october
0: i think we're going to drive the entire tuscan coastline and then we'll carry on to Liguria, and then up to piemonte okay. that is our upcoming epic road right. trip torino exactly bravo so let me get back to the rest of toscana and its layup starting in the north it includes Firenze, Lucca, and pisa to its west Livorno, that Tommaso just mentioned, is south of Pisa, big, busy, not all that attractive shipping port. Then you go inland a bit is San Gimignano, Volterra, and then a little more inland is Siena. East of that is the city of Arezzo, which is sometimes overlooked by the average traveler, but it shouldn't be. Arezzo is amazing. Then... Heading southeast a little bit to Cortona, which most people have heard about because it's ridiculously cute. Then south again to Multipulciano, Pienza, Multalcino, and all the other little villages that make up the Valdorcia area. And we have discussed that in previous episodes. From Val d'Orcia, heading southwest is the city of Grosseto. Perhaps not as well known as the others, like Arezzo, and is totally worth visiting. And south of Grosseto is Porto Ercole, which Tommaso just mentioned. So that is basically the layout of the region of Toscana. But it packs in a lot of diversity within its 23,000 square kilometers. 23,000 square kilometers is about 8,900 square miles. So, that was hard for me to visualize how large or small 8,900 square miles was.
1: Not to mention the math. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's so unfair. (laughs) I'm so bad at math. And math actually, like, frightens me. Numbers scare me. So, I focused on this, Tommaso, to be honest. (laughs) I did it 20 times to make sure I didn't screw up. Okay. (laughs) So. Jeez, everyone has their fear. Mine is math. (laughs) That and frogs, okay? But anyway, (laughs) so 23,000 square kilometers is 8,900 square miles. So I compared the smaller states here in the U.S. And the state of New Hampshire is just about the exact same 8,900 square miles that Toscana is. The state of New Hampshire is 8,969, 69 square miles larger. And the state of New Hampshire is an odd shape, like heavy at the bottom and then goes narrow. Yeah. But Tommaso and I live in the smallest state of Rhode Island. And do you want to guess how many square miles we have? We're about 10% of 10%. 1,034 square miles. Okay. I was
1: a little, I, a little
0: under, but. So wherever you live in the world, do the math. You can do it on a computer. (laughs) Compare 23,000 square kilometers or 8,900 square miles to a province or a region or an area in your country, and then you can visualize how large Toscana is. And I say large because Italy is somewhat a small country. I think that's a a wonderful
1: sort of wrap your head around the diversity of what goes on in Tuscany and Toscana.
0: In that square area, in, in that, that landmass. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And within that landmass, there are 10 provinces, which are mostly named after the prominent city in each, like Arezzo, Siena, Lucca, etc. However, the most globally well-known area in Toscana is, you want to guess? Chianti. Bravo, Chianti. Clients always say to me, I want to go and stay in the Chianti region. Well, technically, it's not a region or a province. It's an unofficial area with no specific borders, yet it got its name for the area where Chianti wine is produced. Can I interject here one thing? Sure.
1: So, in college, when I moved into an apartment with a roommate, um, the roommate before, who I spent many nights with having a pasta, was a gentleman named Guido Carissimo. And he has, and he has an award-winning Chianti. What? Why
0: aren't we calling him right now?
1: We will be for the fall. Okay. His vineyard is called Carouse. And I found it, I found it on Instagram. And I looked at Guido and, you know.
0: Let's go meet Guido.
1: Yes, absolutely. All
0: right. Send him an email with this um, episode. I I,
1: I intend to link, yes.
0: All right. But anyway, back to Chianti. The area was traditionally referred to as the area between Florence and Siena, Firenze and Siena. However, it's expanded over the years. And the funny thing is, when you're driving around, it's easy to know when you're in the real deal of Chianti because the villages are named, these are a few examples, Greve in Chianti, Rada in Chianti, Gaiole in Chianti, Castellina in Chianti. Get it?
1: That's (laughs) right. That's for, it's for but, dopes like me that you right, know you're in Chianti. You know
0: you're in Chianti. However, you're still in Chianti when you get to this village called, this is a long name, but it's called Castelnuovo Berardenga. But it doesn't say Castelnuovo Berardenga in Chianti. So it's all a little, it's a tad confusing. Okay. So these villages with In Chianti in their name were part of the ancient military league of Firenze. And their symbol was a black rooster. And I'm mentioning this because for any of you who have driven around Chianti and noticed a black rooster sculpture near the entrance of a village, it now also symbolizes the Chianti Classico wines. And each area within the various municipalities that have that designation of Chianti Classico also get to show off their own black rooster. And some are large and sculptural. Some are a little more humble, regardless how that village or that vineyard or that area ch- chooses to show it. It's a symbol of
1: pride. I've never seen a humble rooster. <laughs> and I can say this from personal experience. When you feed the chickens yeah, at our yeah, friend's yeah. farm. They're a little aggressive. Yeah, they're, they're, no the, one's the, the rooster's always out there, you know.
0: <laughs> Do you have any carbs for me? That, they get so <laughs> excited when I bring them leftover pasta. That's their favorite. Anyway, for those of you who didn't listen to our previous episode that explained this designation, the DOCG, Tommaso went into it in detail, but I'll just quickly tell you because we're talking about Chianti, the most popular area of Toscana. DOCG stands for Denominazione di Origine Controllata e Garantita, which is a mouthful. Basically, this label guarantees the quality and the origin and the controlled production methods of the wine, meaning no crap goes into the soil or the process. And I think this is one of the beauties of Italy. They do this for their food, for their wines. They're so proud of it. And everything is organic and pure and just awesome, right? There are 74 of these DOCGs defined in Italy, with most of them coming from Toscana, the Veneto region, and Piemonte.
1: Which is where we discussed this first.
0: In Soma, in summary, when you see that black rooster in Toscana, go into any Enoteca, any Ristorante, and drink a Chianti Classico, (laughs) all right? We're going to do that. All right, let me describe the landscape in Chianti, because I'm going to move on to the other areas. It's typical Tuscan, but I feel that it has more wooded areas. Do you remember, Tommaso, that drive on your very first trip to Tuscan? We have pictures. Oh, don't say that because I can't find them right now. They're so old. Well, you like, had old be, school film. You,
1: you, did you have film? I thought it was a digital camera. Oh,
0: no, camera. no. Me. Are you kidding? It was film, film, film.
1: Film, film, film.
0: Anyway, we drove through miles and miles in Chianti of these they looked like a birch tree.
1: I'm remembering it now. We came down this hit this this slope, this hill.
0: Well, there are a lot of slopes. No, but I remember. I'm, just, I'm
1: visualizing it now. Exactly.
0: Miles and miles we passed of this planted forest, and pl- I say planted because they were in perfect lines. As you drove and turned your head, the perspective was just perfectly lined up for miles. To the point where I freaked out. I'm like, stop the car. (laughs) I need to take photos. And you just pulled over, which was not easy on these narrow roads. I took a million photos and they were on film and I'd have to find them. But anyway, I feel that the Chianti region has more woods and more trees, but it's, it was stunning. And there's also thousands of olive trees. And of course, Ciprese, the cypress trees. And then you add into that the color scheme, that yellow broom plant, the deeper green of vineyards. It's just visually amazing, mind-blowing, you name it. However, it's sometimes hard to take it all in if you're the one driving. It's just like Lago di Como, absolutely beautiful. Everything you're looking at as you drive is stunning. And if you have friends in the car with you, they're like, oh my God, Screaming, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Then they turn forward and look at the road, and then they're screaming because you're on this narrow, windy road, and there's t- cars are passing you so close. And so it's just, it's the same concept windy, narrow roads through a beautiful landscape. And to me, it's totally invigorating to the first timer. It's a little like nerve wracking, full of scream. However, I think it's the best way to see Toscana, in my opinion. And there isn't much of an option if you don't drive. It's too mountainous for trains except between the main cities. And there are local buses, but I have to admit I've never been on one because I love to drive. And the only other option is you can hire private drivers. And I have several that I work with for my clients. And it's an expense. It's more pricey. But maybe if you did the math between your rental car and the gas it might work out. So you can get around, but the best way is via car. Moving on as we go east toward the Umbrian border, I don't know. The mountains, they just somehow seem a little different. More than rolling hills of Tuscany, maybe they're like, I should say, rolling mountains. And I think the biggest difference to the eye is when you enter the Valdorcia area, which is a little bit south, multi Multiple channel, That's Montacino. where Paolo lives. Exactamente. And it is just, in my opinion, the absolutely most breathtaking landscape in all of Tuscany. It's picture perfect. It's what you see all the time. If you were in the old days, you know, the picture perfect postcard. Nowadays, if you went onto Google images and said, Val up comes these images. Oh, if you asked
1: AI to say, hey, what's, a, what's Tuscany look like? it would pop that up. Not that you would, but...
0: Well, some people probably some have. Some people probably and so have. you know what it looks like, but you need to go in real life. Exactly. Okay? Not in AI life. So all the chipres, eh? The cypress that line those very long and curved driveways that lead up to a farmhouse or a vineyard. The endless sloping hills covered in vines or wheat fields. And on top of all that, the medieval stone villages on the highest perch possible all of that truly makes for one of the most impressive panoramas i've ever seen it's it's like being in a painting uh, okay <laughs> he's just staring at me i'm because i've pictured myself
1: in many paintings yes, in italy that's right in well, in venice in milan yes exactly in in florence and
0: you're going to be in this painting in
1: october i'm going to bring my pantaloons those are those Funky, like, billowy pants. No, you're not. No,
0: you're not. Okay, (laughs) carrying on. Finally, let's talk about the cuisine. Like the rest of Italy, most of the crops are grown without pesticides, which are used elsewhere around the world. So it's as organic as you can get. And most importantly, the Tuscan uh, idea, thought, or concept for its cuisine is primarily seasonal foods which are always fresh, and recipes or dishes that are made with simple ingredients. There is nothing too complicated or fancy in the Tuscan cuisine, generally speaking. There's bound to be restaurants that that serve more elaborate recipes that they are proud of, etc. But if you just had to generalize the Tuscan cuisine, simple, seasonal, fresh, everything, even the bread. It's simple and void of salt. Traditionally, you can find some that has salt, but you know you're in Tuscany when you take a bite of that bread and it has no salt. It's flavored with other seasonings, and it's delicious. Tuscans are also big meat eaters, but even the bistecca fiorentina, which you have had many years ago, Mm -hmm. is simple. No unnecessary sauces, just that slab of cow.
1: No A1 sauce.
0: No A1 sauce, no nothing. <laughs> it's just grilled to perfection and seasoned with minimal. And I don't eat it, but everyone has said it's the ultimate yes. in the Tuscan cuisine. And nor are the Tuscans big on complicated desserts. Normally, if you're at a Tuscan person's house or at a friend's house, dessert would be like a piece of organic fruit, basically. Obviously, in a restaurant or at Paolo's, he would make something fancy dessert just to show off because he can, but it's basically fruit. That's it. Very, very simple. And if I had to summarize the Tuscan cuisine in one word, it would be tasteful, tasteful uppercase, or at least with a capital T. But let's go back to the tasteful concept. Every single fruit and vegetable you eat has a huge taste you actually notice the taste.
1: Well, again it goes back to eating local as opposed to having stuff shipped exactly, in. Exactly,
0: but but this is the different I mean all of Italy is tasteful. Every region the food is so much more tasteful than what we are accustomed to here in America unless you have your own massive, you know, vegetable garden, okay? But it's so tasteful and they just can combine two simple ingredients like mozzarella and tomato all right, you add a little olive oil and salt and pepper, but those two things, basil, but those two things, I swear, is the most tasteful explosion you'll ever have. Like our tomato and barata salad in Luca. Literally, oh, you oh, guys, oh, oh, I kid you not. Yes. Tommaso and I sat there. We each ordered it. It was so much larger than we expected. We're like, oh, we could have shared this, but then you took one bite, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I. I'm didn't so glad share I have to
1: share with you. <laughs> but, but I could die now and say, okay, right? I I I've, I've been there, done that.
0: We took a bite, and I kid you not, we after our first like moan and like Dio mio, oh my god, it's the best thing I've ever had. We literally just stared at our plates, like in disbelief that that taste in our mouth came from that. Those two ingredients on the plate.
1: The explosion.
0: It was amazing. So there you have it. Simple ingredients, full of taste. That's the Tuscan cuisine. And I'm sorry, we don't even have time to go into the Tuscan red wines. I think we could do an entire episode, in my opinion. But since we don't have enough time, let me just repeat the best definition I found about Tuscan red wine. The big, Bold, super Tuscans, Brunello del Montalcino, Vino Nobile di Montepulciano, can only be described as Italian stallions. Bravo, Italian stallions. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I thought that was so awesome. Maybe it's been said a thousand times, but I just had never heard it. So I'm going to stick with Italian stallions.
1: What do you mean? There's one thing you haven't heard?
0: Yes, there's a lot of things (laughs) I haven't heard. Or don't know, but I'm working on it. Alora, we hope we have convinced you that there's a lot more to see in Bella Toscana. Don't be afraid to rent a car, or as our our friend down in Melbourne
1: says, "Oh, mate, put your big boys pants on. Let's go."
0: <laughs> she said that in our house here to her boyfriend at the time because he was a little maldi testa, a little hungover and didn't want to go out the next day i've never laughed so hard in my life put your big boy pants on so put your big boy pants on and drive those windy narrow roads throughout this seductively beautiful region eat the freshest and most tasteful foods and drink an italian stallion every night how's that (laughs) okay okay Thanks for listening. Thanks for the reviews. And next week, we will read this Facebook post that a man put up today. It was hysterical. Okay. Oh, wait. Tommaso has it.
1: So, this is from Jeff Mosley, uh, who's a a traveler and also subscribes to the podcast. So, Jeff spent several nights in Bolano, around the corner from Verena.
0: This is on Lago di Como.
1: Yes. And he said... Kimberly was right on suggesting the little villages around the lake are a great way to avoid the crowds. Bellana was beautiful and quiet and just the short ferry ride from the hustle and bustle. The only challenge was climbing <laughs> the hills to our Airbnb. He said Italians are great about lauding things that they basically only exist in theory like a town bus schedule for a bus no one ever sees. <laughs> And that's one, so awesome! And one last shout out to all our friends down under, Sydney and Melbourne. Oh, again, you're still you guys up are there. Amazing, the t- two top cities, down that's under. Awesome. All right, Mike.
0: Thank you very much. I can't do accents, obviously. Well,
1: I'm that or math. I'm sure. I'm sure an Australian <laughs> would roll their eyes at mine.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Grazie mille. ciao ciao. Uh,
1: ciao ciao, Mike.
0: Oh Jesus.